Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So last week, we started a new sermon series called Mission March, and I don't know if you guys have been following along on our Facebook page, but every day, Erica has been posting a new mission, something small, something simple that all of us can join in and do to make the world a better place. So if you need some um, prompting in the morning, check out our Facebook page, and it will give you one small, simple task, things like uh, waving at your neighbor or uh, dropping a bottle of water off for your mail carrier, things like that that are easy enough for us to do that make a positive difference in the world around us. Last week, we talked about um, perceiving the mission of God, and we talked about how the mission of God is the redemption of the entire world that God is calling us to join in with Him to change the world. And today, we're going to talk about ways that we, as people of the cross, can be prepared to do that mission. I'm going to start out with a story. So about a a hundred years ago, there was a band of brave souls who became known as the One-Way Missionaries. They purchased single tickets to the mission field without the return half. And instead of suitcases, they actually packed their few earthly belongings into coffins. As they sailed out of port, they waved goodbye to everyone they loved, everything they knew, their way of life. Because they knew they'd probably never come home. A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries. He set sail for the New Hebrides in the South Pacific knowing full well that the headhunters that who lived there had martyred every single missionary that came before him. Milne did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was packed. He was ready to go. But for 35 years, he lived among the tribe and he loved them. When he died, tribe members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this epitaph on his tombstone. It said, when he came, there was no light, and when he left, there was no darkness. The mission of of God is important for the betterment of not just us, but the entire world. But we have to be willing to go. We have to be willing to pack our coffins and go out into the world and be missionaries of Jesus in everything that we say and everything that we do, just like Jesus asked us. So last week we talked about perceiving the mission of God in the world around us, looking for ways that we could be in service to people, the ways that we could join in the work that God is already doing, and to be a part of the calling where Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of the entirety of the world. In order for us to be able to make disciples, we got to be ready to make disciples. We have to be prepared to do just that. And we find out from uh, the Apostle Paul in his uh, letter to Timothy, his second letter actually, um, he tells us that that we need to be prepared to tell the whole world at any moment about the God that we say that we serve. In 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, Paul tells us, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. He says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. 
But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge the duties of your ministry. So here's what's great. A lot of times... A lot of times people are really super easily and willing uh, to take scripture out of context and apply it to something that doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you right now that I believe this is one of those things that we can pull out of the context of just Paul and Timothy and apply it directly to us. Because I don't think that Paul is only talking to Timothy, although he is writing the letter explicitly to Timothy. But he's also, I, I guarantee that Paul, knowing Paul from how I've read him, would tell each one of us, if we believe in the gospel that we say we believe in, then all of us have the jobs as missionaries to preach the word. We all have to keep our heads about us in situations where people are going to come at us and challenge us. We have to be ready and willing and able in any minute to talk about Jesus to anybody who's willing to hear. We should hear this command today from Paul as if he's speaking directly to us. Tony, preach the word. Trina, be prepared to correct. Tim, be ready to rebuke. Joshua, encourage everyone that you meet with the mission of Jesus. And in this moment, there's also this kind of sermonette that follows this challenge from Paul. It's a sermonette uh, where he's talking to Timothy about how when, when people are listening for what they want to hear, the world ends up not hearing the true message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is clear. The message of Jesus is truth. And it's hope for each of us that there's something better than what we've gotten on our own. But Paul is telling us that sometimes people are going to go and listen to teachers who just kind of fill their ears with whatever they want to hear, right? Does that look familiar to you? Does that look a lot like the world around you today, perhaps? Does anyone see that this could be describing exactly what's happening in our world right this moment? No longer do people care for the poor. Instead, we hear, why don't they get a job? No longer do we seek the best for others. Instead, we see and hear all the ways that the world has become self-centered. Instead of seeking inclusion and peace, we hear complaints about cancel culture. The good news of Jesus is that every single one of us is included. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've done, no matter the color of our skin, and we need to be ready and willing to make room for others who need that same peace, that same healing, that same love, and that same justice of Jesus in their own lives. The kingdom of God is made bigger because we make it bigger. When we're able to do what Paul directs us to do here, we're participating in God's mission for the redemption of the whole world. We show people who Jesus is and we bring hope to the hopeless. We open the kingdom of God to the broken in this life and we invite them and others to participate fully in the family of God. We all become adopted sons and daughters of the Most High. When we're ready and we're able to share the gospel with others, we change lives. And we have to be prepared to do it. Guys, we have to know what the gospel of Jesus is. We can't pervert the gospel. We can't change the gospel to fit what itching ears want to hear. We have to know who Jesus was. Jesus was a man who met the homeless and he loved them. He touched lepers who were unclean and he cleansed them. He raised the dead to life. The broken had hope in Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. 
I have a couple stories that we need to hear in order for us to see what it looks like when we're prepared to share with others the gospel of Jesus. First, let's look at an encounter that happens right after Pentecost and the church is beginning to grow and it's starting to be a little bit persecuted. Philip, who's one of Jesus' 12 disciples, the original 12, he goes outside of his comfort zone and he goes away from the Jewish areas and instead he goes down to Samaria, which is home of the Samaritans, who we know from Scripture, uh, the Samaritans and the Jews just clashed a lot. They weren't friends. They didn't like each other. They actually, the Jews considered Samaritans to be um, impure. They considered the Samaritans to be less than. They considered the Samaritans to be of lesser quality human beings. But Philip makes a point to go into Samaria to share with the Samaritans the gospel of Jesus. And so we're going to look at the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 8. You can follow along on the screen, or if you have your Bibles, feel free to pull those out and underline and mark and do all those things. And this is going to be um, verses 4 through 8, and then we're going to pick up again in verses 26 through 40. It says for us this morning, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah. When the crowds heard Philip and they saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. We skip down to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kendaki, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah and the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So we have seen throughout all of Scripture that the message of Jesus brings hope to the hopelessness throughout all the gospels, right? The stories of Jesus bringing sight to the blind, his inclusion of sinners in his ministry, the forgiveness of the woman caught in adultery, the raising of the dead, all these things bring hope. And now we get to see the ministry of Jesus finally include people who are outside of Jerusalem, outside of the Jewish state, outside of Judaism, period, right? So we know that this man is a eunuch from Ethiopia. 
And there's a lot to be said about that. And if you don't know the, the historical context, you might not understand what this means, but this is a man who served the queen of Ethiopia in the treasury, and he was a eunuch. And I will let you Google what eunuch means if you don't know what that means. But uh, as a eunuch person, he would not be able to participate in the temple life. He wasn't able to offer sacrifices. He wasn't able to go into the temple at all because of his state, because of his um, being a eunuch. And he was from Ethiopia. He wasn't even Jewish. So he wouldn't have been called a Jewish person. It says that he was going to Jerusalem to worship, but he was not called a Jew. He would be called uh, something called a, a God-fearer, somebody who was outside of the Jewish life, who's not really able to participate fully, who still believes in God of the Jews. So in this moment, Philip is opening the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to people who are outside of the normal Jewish life. He intentionally goes to a group of people who the Jews have actively discriminated against, right? He's, he's preaching to the Samaritans in order to share with them the same good news that the Jews had. Not only that, but in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, we see the Jesus message expanded even further. God is beginning to work outside of what the Jews thought was appropriate. The kingdom of God was growing because people answered the call of Christ to go and make disciples of all nations, not just Jewish people, but of all nations. And Philip just goes. The Holy Spirit guides Philip to a direct conversation with this Ethiopian man about the gospel of Jesus. He teaches this Ethiopian man that Jesus fulfills the prophecies of old. He shares with this, unman, this unnamed man that Jesus' kingdom is now open to all who are willing to hear the gospel and to share the good news of salvation with others. No longer would this Ethiopian man, because of the state of his body, be excluded from the kingdom of God. But because of this new Jesus movement, the church that's being created now will include him. And I will tell you that um, religious Christian lore is that this Ethiopian man went back to Ethiopia and started the church in North Africa. Now, I don't know that that's truth, but that's part of our Christian tradition that he was so impacted by the gospel that Philip told him about that he went back to Ethiopia and shared it with the people around him. Guys, when we hear the truth of Jesus, when we experience the risen Christ, when we have new life through baptism and through the church, friends, that should be something we're excited to tell the world about. Philip was prepared. He had spent three years with Jesus. He heard from Jesus. He watched Jesus. He participated in the miracles of Jesus. And he was able to share with people who didn't know Jesus what he was about. Friends, I've spent my whole life in church. I, I was like a fetus in the church and raised in the church. And I know the stories of Jesus, but sometimes I still feel ill-equipped to share the gospel with people. Sometimes I feel awkward and weird about telling people about my faith, and it shouldn't be that way. All of us need to be better prepared and better equipped to teach others about Jesus. So we have to know the stories. We have to read scripture. We have to know who Jesus is in order to tell the world. Philip was prepared, and his example reminds us that we have to be just as prepared to share the same message with anyone who's willing to listen. 
So the next story I want to talk about comes also from the book of Acts chapter 10, just a couple chapters later. And this is, the, uh, this is a great story about the conversion of a Gentile. This is uh, verse 1 through 48. It says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and he sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back up to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and he said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius, a centurion. He is a righteous man and God-fearing who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask for you to come to his house so that, you could hear what he, or so that we could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, and they fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am not, or I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at, the hour, or at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God has sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. 
You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses to everything that he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead and on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by the witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is one of the most kind of controversial uh, moments in Jewish history where, where God reveals to Peter this vision of him eating all kinds of weird animals that the Bible specifically tells him through uh, the books of Moses he can't eat. Reptiles can't eat them. Birds can't really eat those either. You can have, uh, you can have the animals who have a cloven hoof and chew the cud, meaning like you can eat uh, beef, right, and, and goat. You can't eat a horse. They don't have the cloven hoof, right? They eat, chew the cud. But anyway, there's just a whole list of things that are appropriate and inappropriate for you to do and to eat. And in this moment, it's not just about food. It's about God telling Peter that every person is worthy of the salvation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no one who is considered unworthy anymore. All people are welcome and invited to hear the gospel of Jesus. And guess what, folks? It's our job to not be the judge of people. It says here in this scripture that Jesus is the judge of humanity, and all we're called to do is share that word. We're not called to tell people that they're worthy or unworthy. We're called to tell them that, yes, you're worthy. You are the children of the Most High. All people deserve the gospel. And when we become the presenters of the gospel, when we're prepared to give testimony about who Jesus is, lives are changed. The Holy Spirit works in amazing ways. The Spirit was already at work in Cornelius, already at work in the family of Cornelius, already at work in um, Samaria where Philip was going and people were receiving the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and evil spirits are being cast out. God does work when we work. And the great news is God does work even when we don't do work. If Peter hadn't stopped to listen to hear what the voice of God was calling him to do and was preparing him to do, Peter might not have responded in the same way. I can't go to the uh, Samaritans. I can't go down to Joppa. I can't speak to a Gentile. Philip would have said, I can't do this either. I'm not called to go to uh, uh, the Samarian towns. I, I, I'm called to be you know, with my own people, with people who look like me and smell like me. We're, we get so comfortable in that, don't we? And that's not the message, message of Jesus. It's not the mission of Jesus. We are called to be helpful in the redemption of the entire world. 
That's people who don't look like us. It's people who don't smell like us, don't act like us, who don't speak our language. And it's important that each of us come to know and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ that, that we're called to know. The encounter with the Holy Spirit changed the entire household of Cornelius and helped Peter to see beyond his religious beliefs and become more inclusive of the people that God had deemed good. Being prepared to share the message of Jesus is one of the most important aspects of our faith, and every one of us is called to be prepared to share with the world who Jesus is. So today, as we move out from this place, as we get up from our couches and we go back out into the world, I encourage every one of us to be prepared. Whatever may arise in your life, be prepared. Read the gospel of Jesus. Spend time in spiritual discipline, fasting, praying. Participate in the move of God. Because when we share the gospel with others, it changes lives and it changes the world. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you have called us to be a part of the mission of redemption to all of the universe, to all of creation. God, help us to seek you and to find you so we can share your message with the world around us. Gracious God, continue to move in us and use us to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world around us. As we pray in your most holy and precious name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.